Welcome to the uh, our Legal Tech Week for June 26, 2020. This is Bob Ambrogi. I'm the uh, host of uh, the Law Sites blog, uh, the publisher of the Law Sites blog, the host of the Law Next podcast, and uh, I'll be moderating today. And uh, let's go around and introduce our panelists. Uh, and we have a new panelist joining us today. So, Victor Lee, uh, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Hi, uh, thanks, Bob, for having me. My name is Victor Lee. I am an assistant managing editor with the ABA Journal. I cover the business of law, which also includes technology. And I've been there for about six and a half years now. Um, and, you know, standard disclaimer, whenever I do these things, I do not speak for the ABA, nor do I speak for the ABA Journal. I only speak for myself. All right. I describe you as to somebody as a recovering tech writer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I um, yeah, I, uh, before the ABA Journal, I, I, I worked at Legal Tech News. Right. Um, and it was a lot of technology news back then. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, now, now I just mainly do editing. Yeah, good. Uh, Joe Patrice. Is, uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I um, also host some podcasts, Thinking Like a Lawyer. Um, we have an ATL COVID cast. Um, and briefly over the weekend, I believe I was U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, uh, just briefly. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. Um, yeah. Victoria Hudgens, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Victoria. I'm a reporter with Legal Tech News, where I cover cybersecurity, tech, data privacy, and just how tech is impacting legal services and lawyers. All right. Uh, Caroline Hill. Hi there, Caroline Hill, Editor-in-Chief of Legal IT Insider, not recovering tech writer, but <laughs> still very much <laughs> present tech writer. Uh, we, I write about every aspect of legal tech. Um, and I'm the editor of the legal team. All right, uh, let's see, Zach Warren. Hey there, my name is Zach Warren. I'm the editor-in-chief of Legal Tech News. That's with ALM. So uh, my reporting is not only LTN, but the American Lawyer, Corporate Counsel, and all those ALM brands. And from her beautiful living room, wait a minute, you changed your background again. So Nikki Black. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from my library, um, I am Nikki Black, the legal technology evangelist with my case. Uh, we provide law practice management software for law firms. I am um, an avid writer. I write about legal tech prolifically at uh, ABA Journal. I have a column at Above the Law. I write for the Daily Record, um, which is a Dolan Media publication, uh, and for the My Case blog, among others. All right. I briefly worked for Dolan Media way back a long time ago in one of my various jobs I've had over the years. I was in Idaho, publisher of a newspaper in Idaho briefly for Dolan. That was interesting. Yeah, so uh, we, over the last couple of weeks, we've had a guest uh, on this show. We're not going to have a guest today. We'll we'll do our kind of usual roundtable, talk about some of the top stories of the week. But also, uh, we have billed this as an Ask Us Anything episode. Uh, so if there's anybody uh, out there listening who wants to ask us a question uh, in our role as uh, journalists and reporters and editors covering legal technology, Throw it in the chat panel there, and we will happily take your question. Uh, if you don't have any questions, that's fine. We we will just uh, proceed with our proceed with our roundtable. I, I did want to because for I think the last three episodes, I've been kicking the can down the road of, of somebody who had asked us a question <laughs> three episodes ago of of kind of how what's the best way to reach out to us to to pitch us with a story. And I don't know if that person uh, is is with us uh, today. I don't think so, uh, but uh, that's okay because uh, we, we're going to put the recording up and, and maybe he'll watch it. So, uh, any tips on what's the best way to for somebody who's who wants to uh, get in touch with you, thinks they have a story that you might be interested in? How, how, what's the best way for them to do that? Who wants to take that? Yeah. Well, um, so, oh, there oh. we go. No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. Oh, okay. Um, so, so in terms of, um, I mean, just the obvious route. So, so I think where my contact details are widely spread, and probably all of us are. Like, there's no kind of like confidentiality. They're widely spread, and, and I think email or I, I actually 
I don't know how unusual I am. I'll be interested to get other people's thoughts on this. I've been told by PRs that I'm quite unusual in liking the phone. I know the phone's going very much out of fashion. <laughs> um, I actually, because I get so overwhelmed by my emails, um, if you've got a good story, I really love to pick up the phone and go, hey, no, they, maybe they sent an email. I think it's quite handy to have it in an email because obviously we get a lot of information and we have to process a lot of detail. So to put, I think for me, the preference is send an email so that I've got it all down there um, and I don't have to kind of scribble notes on the list and then and then phone me up, right? And then and just say, you know, obviously it's not convenient and just say, but I think actually that, that for me, I still really like that personal approach and also just drawing it to my attention. Um, and it's also, I'm quite into the relationship, <laughs> the old fashioned relationship building thing um, because I don't know about anybody else, but I get lost in sea of emails. So for me, that dual approach is quite helpful. Yeah, yeah. Joe, what were you gonna say? Well, uh, I was going to say uh, TikTok is usually what I like to accept <laughs> things through. Um, no, we have, uh, so I do have emails. And they have to do a video and send yeah. it to you? And oh, yeah. Just, it, the, that or memes. Uh, yeah, no, uh, if you reach out, uh, I have, we have emails at Above the Law. I'm Joe at Above the Law. But uh, it's actually best to write at tips at Above the Law. That way, in case I'm engaged, uh, one of the other, that goes to all of us. So one of the other editors has an opportunity to get at it. Um, we do monitor our Twitter and Facebook as well. More Twitter for people sending things. Like I get DM uh, tips a lot, but uh, those are those are probably the best. One of the things that amazes me is that you guys actually do read the tips at Above the Law. I mean, you must get a million tips all day. But I mean, I've yeah. communicated with you that way through that email address, <laughs> and, and I get responses right away. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, well, I mean, the, we real, anytime somebody's not writing, we're usually on it trying to keep up. Uh, we probably get one every minute or so. So <laughs> it's, it's that kind of thing. So if you, if you get 10, 20 minutes behind, it's not that bad. You can, you can get through those pretty well. Yeah. Uh, who else wants to speak to that? Victor, what about yeah. the ABA Journal? What's a good way um, to... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, um, I agree with a lot of what Joe said. I mean, you know, obviously, um, I'm accessible victor.li at AmericanBar.org. You know, I always uh, like to get email pitches. Also, you know, it's also good to kind of uh, email our general, um, our general. Uh, I think it's, I think it's webmaster at, at AmericanBar.org. Um, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where I know, you know, it's not always possible to have like that personal touch with, with, with the with, with, with an editor, um, like when you're pitching them, but one thing that always catches my attention is if, because I always assume, I don't know if everyone else does, I always assume that these pitches go to like everybody, you know, they're, they're, they're basically mass, mass pitching all these, right. all these um, uh, various organizations. And, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. I mean, that's, that's, that's how you get, that's how you get the most nibbles. But, right. uh, but for me, I always respond to is like, if someone sees like something that I've written in the past, or they see like a, like an article that, you know, we, that we ran that uh, resonated with them or is related to what they're pitching, then they'll say something like, hey, I read this story that you guys ran, you know, a month ago on this, you know, kind of related to that. We have this thing that we're doing that blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'm, I, I tend to respond more to those because then it shows that, okay, they've actually taken the time to, uh, you know, find out like what, what we do, like what kind, of, what kind of stories we publish and what, what, what kind of things are important to us. Yeah. And the problem with those pictures that go to all of us is that yeah. – uh, we're all still sleeping while Caroline is already up and writing. So, <laughs> but the thing is, so we have the same similar model as well. It's in terms of if people offer it to us early or exclusively. I think that, and and you know that you're being given, you know, and we all we all get it. You know, let's be honest. So, so um, I think that really helps, and that that bit to you, that, that personal touch, that saying, right, this is for you. You know, rather than just done the round robin. You know, yeah, I yeah. think that's that's really helpful. Yeah. And you also, Zach, you want to comment on that? Yeah, just one thing I'm actually curious from everybody else, at least for me, it's like email and phone are up here, but I've really seen recently a trend of people reaching out to me either via LinkedIn or Twitter with story ideas. And that's kind of down here for me, just because I'm not thinking of social media as a news tool throughout the day. So I've had people like reach out to me 10 a.m. with a LinkedIn message saying, hey, I want to talk to you about this story idea. I'm not seeing it. And then I'll get an email like 1 p.m. Like, hey, I sent this over to you via link, LinkedIn earlier. And it's like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you had sent it to me via email, I probably would have seen it a lot sooner. 
So the problem for with LinkedIn for me, because I have this problem too, I constantly am finding people try to get a hold of me on LinkedIn like five days ago. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's because they don't, uh, unlike Twitter, if somebody sends me a direct message on Twitter, guess what happens? My email bangs and tells me somebody just DM'd you. Like I can go find these things. I get, get alerted when I'm, not- uh, when I'm added in a tweet. LinkedIn, for some reason, is adamant not to give you a heads up when somebody sends you a message. And I actually looked on a board the other day to find out, because I figured I was just an idiot, and there was some function I didn't understand. And somebody asked the question, is there a way to get the messages to alert you? And the LinkedIn, like, actual support people were like, why in the world would you ever want to do that? And I was like, because I don't spend all day staring at LinkedIn. Yeah. You could get them by email, but I mean, it's then you just get 9 million. Yeah. You know, all, everything that happens on LinkedIn by email. See, I don't get that. I, I can get certain things that way, but yeah. like the now they pump pop up with that, their version of an instant instant messenger. Yeah. And that I can't figure out how to get sent over. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. But I, I, mean, just, what, I don't like yeah, any social, I don't like any social media because for me, social media messages are a black hole. My emails where I kind of track what I need to respond to. And right. someone will, especially Facebook, someone messages me, whether personally or professionally on Facebook, forget about it. Like I read it. And then a month later, I'm like, wait a minute. Did I, oh, that person reached out to me. I'm like a big jerk and I don't answer because <laughs> I just forget it falls off my radar. And yeah. I, I think emails, honestly, the best way to reach out to people or in person. Yeah. But I, I'm, a, you know, I don't know. I'm in, in, in Caroline's boat in a sense of, I, I get so much email that things easily get lost. I mean, literally cannot keep up with all the email I get as much as I try and things just get lost. And I, I do tell people that if you've emailed me and, and I don't respond, you know, go ahead and, and text me or, or ping me on Twitter or something. Uh, I, I, I do, I mean, what, what I, so now and you're probably all getting this too. I mean, what I get now is I'll get the same person who sends me an email sends me something on LinkedIn, sends me, sends me a text on my phone. It has all my different emails. So they email all my different email addresses. And that's, and that, so then it just like all that much more cluttered, all my different channels from that one person sending me that one story. Uh, and uh, it, it gets kind of, it gets kind of crazy. There, there is no good way. There is no good well, answer. The, the, I think it's <laughs> relationships and it's, I mean, that's the thing. You've got to figure out how to have, that's where conferences come in, I think. And you need to have relationships. You need to understand that who you're talking to and what do they write about. Try to get a sense. If you truly want to get it published in a certain place or certain places, sending these mass um, PR emails out probably isn't necessarily the best way to do it. And um, that's why for me, them understanding that half the time I get stuff that is literally not even remotely something I would ever write about. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they should know what you kind of tend to focus on and what interests you. That's the most, I understand the pressure is of wanting to reach everybody, but yeah, but what about, about, I mean, we're talking about, you? We're, we're talking about PR people here mostly. What about, you know, I, I, I've just started my little legal tech company and I'm trying to get some, somebody to pay attention to me and I don't want to go hire a PR person. How, how does that person get on your, get on your radar again? Is it, again, is it just sending you an email? I mean, is it all about the catchy subject line or, or how do they do that? For me, it's pretty much explaining like how this product is different and how is it really solving a problem? Not just like, it's awesome. We use AI machine learning, like not just bug words, just tell me what problem is it solving? How's it different from what's on the market? That always makes it easier for me to then look over the press release or the email and then send it over to Zach or Reese and say, okay, this is the angle. This is why I think we should cover it. And that for me makes it a lot more simpler. Yeah. But, but that, that means you open the email in the first place. I mean, I mean that's, yeah. <laughs> that's something right there, I think. Well, I think it's important for them to, the ones that I end up meeting with are oftentimes before I go to a large legal tech conference, I'll say on Twitter, no one pays attention. Like I'm, three weeks before, hey, I'm going to be there. I'm looking to talk about certain interesting things related to AI or the cloud. Reach out to me. And usually like two people respond. Like that's the, and the ones that respond early on, I'm like, you, you paid attention, you know, and it's sort of up my alley, I'll meet with you. And so that's how I sometimes meet with these really small companies. And I like to talk to them because talking to the CEOs to me, quite frankly, is oftentimes more interesting than talking to PR people or marketing people, you know? And I, and I think you give them all the benefit of the doubt. So with, I think with PRs, um, they, they almost need to make it more catchy. Whereas you can tell when you get a direct message from a CEO, you, it, you, 
I guess we've all done this long enough. You can tell, can't you? And they're saying, oh, hey, just wondering, you know, how we go about this. And then I think I've got more, not more time just to go back to those people and just explain, you know, say, hey, you know, and, and give more feedback. Whereas I think we're probably a bit more cut through with the press releases, right? I think we, we are, you have to very quickly say whether it's relevant, whether it's interesting, and we're much more likely to, you know, they have to be, I think, have a lot more punchy heading and explain why. I think we give less, less benefit of the doubt to the people that are sending us a lot more press releases probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, this is maybe my own question, but I, I wonder how you all, I, I, you know, I think as, as Victor said earlier, we, we assume we're probably all getting the same pitches. Um, and I assume we're all probably a little competitive about it in terms of uh, reporting these things. Uh, so do you uh, evaluate what you're going to write about in part based on the likelihood that somebody else has already, you know, or is going to also write about it or not? I mean, I certainly do because I often um, look at a thing and think, is Bob or Nikki going to write about this first? Because you're, you'll put it on the same outlet and then I look like a, I've screwed up and put the same story twice on my own pages. Um, but no, it, and I also am looking at different audiences. So I get a little bit more flexibility. I I write slightly more hey, people who don't care about tech, here's something techy. Whereas you tend to write more to people who are already trying to figure out what things are. I write to people who don't, couldn't care less and try and get interest. So we have slightly different. So I don't feel nearly as much competitiveness as uh, you all apparently do with each other. This is why I'm... I, well, I, I don't know I, if I'm, anybody else does. I'm here the referee, I, do. I guess. I don't, feel, I, don't feel, I, don't feel, I don't feel an unhealthy... Like there, there may be one or two people that I might have a slightly unhealthy feeling of competition with. That's none of you lot. Like, I, I, you I can actually, name names. <laughs> Just us here. I, I actually like competition. I think competition is great. Healthy yeah. competition is a great thing. And actually, Bob, if I see... If you email something out and I haven't written, I'll be like... Psh, I can't swear on so I'll be like, damn, you know, and then, and then I might quickly write something. And I, I don't, I don't see that. I, I actually feel like it's quite a positive thing. You know, I think it's, um, and I don't, you know, I think maybe I've grown up a little bit as well. Like we, I do love, <laughs> I do love getting the skits and we still do try to do a lot with breaking. You know, I, I love nothing more than, you know, breaking something which isn't out there as you do, Bob, you know, like where something that's not press released, you know, I love, I love people, when people come to me with something, well, actually, it's that, you know, we, you all, we all, um, when something gives me something which is not press release, it's maybe not even going to be press release, and then you break it, that for me is the best, right, um, but I think we all have our fair share, and I, you know, I think it's quite healthy to have a variety of different news sources available. Yeah. Not, I don't break trends, I just, I don't write, I don't break news. I just write about trends. You know what I mean? So for me, it's less of a getting the scoop and more just looking at the big picture or how to's, you know? So for me, it's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I had a discussion with one of my colleagues recently, actually. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're, 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 you know, we don't have the bandwidth. We don't have, we don't have the manpower to be able to compete with the likes of like, you know, uh, an ALM or like a, or like a Bloomberg or like a Thomson Reuters as far as like, you know, you know, Having having it first and having it, you know, getting it before anybody else and making well, neither sure do I, but it doesn't stop me from trying. <laughs> well, but, but 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 that's never really been our model. Our model's yeah. always been more along the lines of, yeah, we we look at we look at the trends, we look at, okay, this is why it's important. This is you know, this is why, you know, I mean our readers are really looking at more things like, okay, why should I care about this? What does this yeah. mean for my practice? What does it mean for, you know, me as a lawyer? Um, and and we have resources beyond, you know, beyond, you know, you know, beyond just the journal, which are, are more conducive to like having that kind of, uh, okay, well, these are the people at the ABA that can give you, can, that can talk to you about this, or these are the people that we know in the, in the, in the legal profession that can shed more light on, 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 on these ethics opinions that relate to tech or whether this, you know, program is good for you, you know, for your practice and whatnot. So that's always been more of our model, not necessarily, you know, we have to get it first. Because if that's the case, then, you know, we would, you know, it, it would it would be a much different like ball game for us, and you know we'd have to really rethink how we do things. Yeah, I think there's uh, a place for both, isn't there? You know, it's nice yeah. to have the sort of analysis, and the you know you can't. There's only so many scoops you can have anyway. And I think actually, what's really interesting is I think the market is um, really there, there's a thirst for real understanding. So we're actually moving 
although I do love the scoop, that we're moving towards trying to do more analysis so to really help people understand the decisions that they're having to come to. So that's, and that's something I think that we've moved more towards and actually we're developing an entirely separate bit of our um, new brand attached to Legal IT Insider, which is going to look at best practice and knowledge sharing and all that kind of stuff to try to help people to evaluate. So I think that there's been a shift in the market as well in the audience yeah. towards wanting more better understanding yeah. so that's kind of where we're moving as well all right well we beat that question to death and nobody even asked it so uh that, that's good there's but, a question but, there's a question Bob. <laughs> yeah there are questions there's a question what is the worst worst pitch <laughs> oh. you ever got and why there's well we've got we've got questions popping up in both our q a and our chat thing here but, oh, okay. uh, uh what's the worst pitch you ever got and why does anybody well, mine you? is someone pretending he knew me and he didn't, and I'd never met the guy. And other ones are people that I've actually talked to them or interview, you know, talked to their company a bunch of times and act like, let's tell you all about our company. I don't think we've ever connected with you. It's like, come on, pay attention. Have we met? Have we not met? Don't don't fool me into thinking you've met me when we haven't. I don't know you from Adam. I think that's a little offensive when people act like, hey, how are you? Like the best <laughs> so, yeah. I get the point, but as somebody with a terrible memory who is definitely <laughs> opposite side of that before where I don't remember meeting with a company two legal techs ago. I feel like I have a tiny bit of sympathy for that one because it's, it can be tough. We all, we all meet with a lot of people. Yeah, that's true. Right. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I would have no idea if they said they met with me. I, I, I might well, if I don't know. I think maybe the repeat, you know, if you, if you get sent something and um, then you don't and you politely ignore it. <laughs> And then they send it to you 200 more times. And in the end, you literally lose your rag and you're like, never send it to me again. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. probably the most annoying. Yeah. Victoria, have you got I any get, really bad pictures? Or... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Victor. No, they, I get my name misspelled sometimes where they'll be like, you know, they'll, 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 they'll call me Vincent or they'll call me like, you know, you know dear Mr. L-E-E. -E. I'm just like, okay, come on. Yeah, you typed in my email. Yeah. <laughs> you typed right. in my email. It has my first and last name. You know what, you know what my name is. Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Oh, I get, you know, dear Ms. Hill or, or dear Ms. Black or something. I mean, <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> you can tell, then you know they're just sending them out to everybody, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah. For me, I guess it would just kind of like the echo what Victor was saying when I get the emails and they call me Vanessa instead of Victoria. I'm just like, you really didn't right. pick this out of the CV. Hudgens, like, my, um, my email address is bhudgetalm.com, but like you didn't do enough research to figure out my first name is Victoria. Like <laughs> right. that's a little bit annoying. Or right. when like what Caroline was saying about they'll send you the email a bunch of times and you'll politely ignore it because you're not going to cover it. And then they follow up with a call and say, hey, did you see that email? You know, I'm just wondering if you're interested in it. And I just have to say politely, oh, I saw that. Um, I don't think we're going to cover that right now, but thank you for reaching out. Like that's kind of like the worst. Yeah. I think I may have actually done that, Victoria, once. I called you, Victoria. I started off, and then we had a conversation in the middle, but I called you Vanessa, and I immediately said to her, I said, Victoria, not Vanessa. I, it was yes. someone I did. I think I am actually, it might have been Vicky. I'm guilty of that, though. So I'll yeah, that happens all the time. I and apologize. Then I get, <laughs> and then last name, Hudgens. Some people say, oh, I was thinking about High School Musical, and I was like, okay, different, technically different last names. You spell it differently, but it's just like my name, Victoria, not Vanessa. <laughs> oh, I apologize again. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I think my favorites, though, are the ones that are just completely off the wall, like somewhere along the way. And I have no idea how I ended up on like HBO television's PR distribution list. <laughs> so anytime that there's a new show coming up on HBO, I will know about it because they will send it to my ALM email address. And it makes no sense whatsoever, but it always brings a smile to my face. Yeah, I got on some bad PR lists. I get I get like press releases about like raves in Los Angeles or something and like things like this. <laughs> but I mean, for, you know, what, what really drives me crazy is, I mean, uh, that of, of that are- We, that we are, probably need to spend more time on that <laughs> one. Right? Actually. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, is there something you're not telling us? <laughs> uh, the ones that drive me crazy are the ones where, you know, if, if you read my blog, you would know this because I've, written, I've called them out at times, but the people who just make these totally unfounded claims about their product and their press releases, you know, that we are the first ever to do such and such when in fact they're like the 50th to do it. You know, they, they just never, they just either never bothered to research the field that they're developing a product in, or they just don't give a crap about the truth. And that, you know, if, yeah. if they're going to lie to you about that, then what else are they lying about? 
regarded regarding their product and uh, that that really drives me crazy yeah and that's still something that i struggle with because you know everybody everybody's product is is the best thing right it's 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 this miracle like breakthrough innovative technology that's gonna you know do everything short of cure cancer right and and it's just how do you how do you how do you evaluate that well i mean you can you know pretty much throw that out but but uh but like yeah i mean just all the press releases say okay yeah like we're the first one to do this or no other product does this or we're, we're this 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 and this and, and it's just it's it you know I, I mean for me it's i feel like if i see those if i see those buzzwords like that we're the only one that does this or we're the first one that does this like unless that's really really very like really really true and really verifiable i just you know it, it, it just goes it just it just goes well, more often than not it's it's easily uh um What's the opposite of verifiable? I mean, it's easily dismissed, debunked by just jumping on on Google, you know, and 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 googling that kind of product, and you'll find. Uh, or for me, it's often that I've I've myself, you know, I've been one advantage to having been writing blogging for eighteen years, as I've covered a bunch of these things before, and uh, I can just search my own blog and find examples of the same product. So, with COVID, I found that um, there's some stuff about um, oh, I had one release um, where they said. Um, Oh, they've just gone live on our product, and um, just before COVID, and it's completely saved their lives. And been there, and the game changer, and you know, it's meant that. Every, and, um, and I phoned them, and, um, and it turned out that they went live in 2018, <laughs> and they just decided to do a press release just now. And I was like, and then, and then I had a bit of a tantrum. <laughs> it, it, it's before COVID. I don't see where the lie is. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yes. You should work on that PR team. <laughs> uh, but actually, it was an interesting story, and I, I may well still write about it, but it just yeah. annoyed me because it was like, actually, this is just wrong. And I would have looked like an idiot if I'd written it in the way that it had been written. I would have looked like an absolute idiot. So, uh, question uh, not about sort of coverage so much, but about legal tech is somebody was asking whether any of us have any predictions on future mergers and acquisitions. Anybody have any uh, great insights on somewhere we're going to be surprised or? That's always tough. That's I, going to be a lot. I see yeah. Zach wanting to answer this question. <laughs> no, I mean, no inside info or anything like that, but it does strike me with so many entrants into the contract space, so much money flowing in, so many startups in particular, that's got to start to consolidate sometime soon in a serious way. So if that's where I'm looking, it would be one of those as of right now, mid-size contract companies in particular, looking for increased market share, increased capabilities and gobbling up some of those startups. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the question is going to be what the impact of the recession is going to be on this, right? Because on the one hand, you're going to have a lot of companies who are who were seemingly moving along well, who are going to be screwed and have some valuable IP that's going to be attractive to someone. But on the flip side, you're going to have a lot of players in the legal tech market who don't have capital lying around uh, because of all that's happened, who won't be able to take advantage of that. So like figuring out where people are and who has money in the bank when everybody else is running out of it is going to be the real question. Like it, you can't really predict it based on who logically should merge right now because it might be dictated by wholly different um, concerns. Right. Right. Although I think I look at uh, a couple of, one of the areas I keep looking at is, is legal research and I keep feeling like, uh, Somebody's got to gobble up somebody there. Uh, you know, we've got we've got a couple, few of these. You know, mid mid tier legal research uh, company. You know, startups so that we keep calling things like like Case Text and, and Ross startups, but they've been around for like eight years now. And uh, um, and they, you know, in, in in some ways, you know, they're still trying to quite define what their space is, what their role, you know, where they fit into this overall space. I, I think because. Um, you've got the you've got the dominant players that have been around forever. You've got you know the fast case and case maker that a lot of lawyers are just getting through their their bar uh, agreements. And and then there's this whole other. And I, I just wrote this morning about another guy who just started a little a little legal research company. Like it was one guy, one one man shop. or just started a legal research platform on his own. Uh, I, I love stories like that, but you know I don't I don't think he's going to put Westlaw out of business or anything. What's it called? It's got a really unusual name. I've forgotten his name. I read, uh, I read, buzzy, I read, buzzy site. That's it. That I guy? read your piece. <laughs> yeah. His, it turns out his name is Buzzy. So it's a. Uh, okay. 
Yeah, it's cool. I really like it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, as you said, so, so with um, best practice, so uh, got acquired by Lutera, and for the reasons that Joe, you were just saying, so they, I think a lot of it was financial because the 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 law, the law firm cycle is so long, and, and a lot of the smaller, so exactly, um, and a lot of the startups are going to struggle, particularly with COVID, I think, with these with the um, retrenchment in spending. So I think that that's going to generate potentially. Some, 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 whether you call them startups or slightly more established even companies, I think are going to find that the law firm's lack of spending, I and mean, we hear a lot about the lack of spending at the moment, everything that's not completely caused. So I think it'd be interesting to see whether that presents opportunities for the bigger players to absorb some of the very you know, attractive businesses that may, may otherwise have held out for a while longer. Yeah. Kind of to that end, I'll actually be extremely interested if we see more things like the uh, United Lex Paul Hastings data science deal, where it's law firms selling things off to ALSPs or legal tech companies for that yeah. exact reason, because they're trying to cut costs a little bit. Um, we've seen that a little bit in the past, but it wouldn't surprise me if that becomes at least a little bit more of a trend. Yeah. Um, if any of you, uh, or if any of these questions sort of uh, jump out at, at any of you, go ahead and, and call them out. I, I just one a uh, little bit off, a little bit different than what we've been talking about so far. But it's, if I'm understanding this, somebody is right asking about working as a, as a freelancer for your publication, uh, and uh, what's what's the best way, I guess, to uh, approach you? Is it to request, write to request, to write about specific topics or? Uh, or should you present pitch ideas of your own to the uh, to the publication? Or uh, you know, I know Victor, you probably uh, I don't know if you're using freelancers as much as you used to, but oh yeah, no, we're uh, using more. We're using them more because uh, I mean, just because we've had you know, we 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 we, we just need to do that just because of uh, our staffing um, uh, uh, issues and whatnot. Uh, I mean, I think I think one one thing that we do is that. Um, you know, typically we'll want to see. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, like like freelancers can always email. Uh, again, victor.li at americanbar.org. Um, and, you know, send, send a resume, send some clips just so we get an idea of like what kind of, like what your writing style is like. Um, you know, they don't, people don't have to have pitches per se, but obviously that, you know, if you have something that you're very passionate about or that you're very knowledgeable knowledgeable about and, and that you really want to write about and think that it's right up our alley, then obviously we, you know, we'd love to hear it. Uh, but I mean, really, I mean, for us, I mean, at least, and with, and with my other editors too. I mean, we 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 always share whatever, uh, whatever like emails we get from like potential freelancers or whatnot. We're really looking more for people who, um, you know, have have subject matter knowledge and who are good writers. Like, because you know, I mean, other things, you know, we can we can work, we, you know, we can work on and and whatnot. But um, th those are the main things that we look at when we, um, you know, when we like like evaluate our freelancers and whatnot. Yeah. Can I just tack a query onto that question. I had, someone had um, emailed me, uh, a young woman who just graduated from law school who had got a journalism degree and she was asking for advice on breaking into legal journalism. So I was kind of wondering if I could tack that question onto you guys, uh, to this one as well, to get um, some input on that on her behalf. If you guys had any, I mean, I, t I gave her my advice, but um, I think it's difficult, and I, I told her start a blog, start start trying to reach out, connect with people on Twitter, try and get to know these people somehow. Um, showcase your writing on the blog because that way you can show the body of work and analytical thought, and you know. So even if no one's reading your blog, you can show that to people when you're pitching something, you know, that you're writing and what you're thinking about. But do you guys have any insight on that? One thing I'd add, and I don't know, um, there there are other programs that do this, but one platform when I was starting at Above the Law, like so Above the Law, we are we're all lawyers, right? So first thing that any journalism student should do is go become a lawyer first uh, for us. But So that's not <laughs> she really had a great... A law, she got a law degree and had journalism. Okay. Degree. All right, fair enough. But, but, um, but as far as what you were saying about blogging, getting to know people, when I was starting out, uh, one thing I did was, and it's got a monthly subscription price, but I went to this Manage Flitter uh, was the platform, and I think there are others like it, that allows you to kind of mass follow people. Obviously, there are Twitter limits and all, but it was a useful tool for you could say something like, the stuff that I write is similar to what Above the Law writes. So let me look at, and it will sort for you, here's the last 5,000 people who followed Above the Law, and you can go, oh, I can pitch things to these people or write 
at these people or follow these people and see if they'll follow me back. Uh, and it was a useful way of figuring out different niche areas where people shared ideas. Uh, so I was able to kind of build out my following that way. And so that's a useful, maybe outside the box piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would just kind of echo all of that. I mean, I do think it's, you know, I, I agree with you, Nikki, that just getting, getting published as much as you can, even, even for no money to start is, 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 uh, uh, is valuable. Uh, and then, you know, uh, engaging with people around what you're publishing. I mean, get on, get on Twitter and, and get on social media and, and, you know, not, a, you know, don't, not in an obnoxious way, but call attention to what you're writing. Maybe try and get, get some people, uh, you know, engage with people about the topics you're writing about and make sure people are aware of you. Um, and be, and be ballsy. Like, so, so when I started out, so I was a lawyer and I didn't have any journalism training, um, but I wanted to be uh, a journalist. <laughs> and I just asked, phoned up the features editor of Legal Week and I said, can I buy you a coffee? I would love to be a journalist. And um, so I went and I bought her a coffee and, and uh, she went, well, actually, yeah, I've got a job going, do you want to apply? And, um, and I, they sat me down at a computer and I didn't realize I was supposed to use the computer. I hand wrote the piece. <laughs> and for some reason, they still gave me a job. But I think it's about making those direct connections and not being afraid to actually reach out to people direct. Because we're, you know, I think everybody's quite human and we won't always help. But I think actually it's about having the confidence to go straight to the source. Yeah. For what it's worth, it looks like she's actually here, Raquel Richards. She just was thanking us for the... I told her that we might answer that question today. So go ahead. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> I was just going to say the only other thing I'd add is don't get discouraged if it doesn't work the first time or two, just because uh, we are A, all very busy, and B, journalism is an industry where there isn't much open at times, and there tend to be cuts somewhat more often than other industries. It's like, say, freelance budgets may go down kind of at a whim. So if there isn't something open right away, don't say, okay, then it's never going to happen. Check back and actually, if that's something you want to do, work for it that way. Well, and it's, wor it's worth pointing out that um, you don't have to work for a publication to work in as a True. writer in, in legal. I mean, uh, you know, I, I have a blog. Uh, it's my blog. I'm not writing for other, I mean, I do write a column on Above the Law and I've certainly written for the ABA Journal uh, over the years as a freelancer, but uh, um, I, uh, you know, I, I don't get rich off of my blog, but I do make some money off of, off of my blog. And uh, uh, that's, you know, and, and if I were a better person, <laughs> business person, I probably could actually make more money off of my blog. But uh, you know that that's a, a real, a truly a viable option these days uh, is to just start a publication on your own, and uh, you know you, you need to build up a readership and you need to build up a, a, a voice and a name for yourself. But uh, totally and actually, possible. And actually, and that's a great thing about the growth of blogs, right? So, so I think that there's been this real explosion, and I think from that point of view, my tip would probably be, especially when you are just learning, my dog scratching to come in when you're. Um, when you're learning, is, is engage, try, and engage, try and engage with people who and share their voice, right? So, so you you know, don't pretend to be the expert, especially when you're starting out. That you're not going to be your opinion is not necessarily going to be that expansive. But actually, if you can help people convey their voice, if you've got the ability with your writing to help people convey their people who are knowledgeable, if you can give them a platform to help them share their opinions, then that can be really valuable. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know, we can take a couple more questions and skip our round table this week. <laughs> uh, unless there was any stories that anybody really wanted to uh, be sure we talk about this week. Uh, there's, there's an interesting question, um, about virtual conferences, but that's I was not just going to say, Bob cannot skip that one. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> Nikki, right. And, so and that actually lets us talk about uh, Nikki's top story of the weekend. Well, that wasn't your top story, but. But something you wrote. It was week, like though. three weeks ago. Like she's been trying to get to this conference <laughs> question in forever. <laughs> anyway, right. it's like we've run out of time. So you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> take that up next week uh, <laughs> in our virtual edition. No, uh, so yeah. Uh, so gee, what do we do about virtual conferences, Nikki? <laughs> well, I just wrote about that in Above Law. It was published yesterday. I I think everyone in legal tech should listen to me and follow my lead on this you need to have avatar-based virtual conferences because virtual conferences are boring. Virtual conferences are flat. 
it's just a bunch of Zoom. Like people go to conferences for the CLE credits, and of course the classes are the courses are interesting. But when you go to these larger conferences, you're going for the networking, you're going for the interaction, you're going to check out what everyone actually has in the expo hall. And you certainly don't just sit down and read all the marketing material. You want to go to the expo hall and talk to people. You want to interact with the people at the conference. And these flat virtual conferences that they have now don't do that. It's just Zoom's, you know, webinar after Zoom webinar, or just webinar after webinar, and then, you know, a list of um, uh, people that are exhibiting, and then you click on it and you see their marketing materials, and you can usually text chat and maybe video chat. Um, but I think that the way to make it the best it can possibly be is to use these avatar-based um, conferences. There's only a few platforms out there. I wrote about them in my uh, TO. I, I, there's three of them, but TO is the only one I know off the top of my head. Uh, Hoova was one. Thank you, Hoova. And then the best, the one that someone told me they liked the yeah, best after trying them out was, yeah. Um, I'll put a, or can you put a link to this since you're looking it up? I'm getting the, there, um, I'm getting there, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so essentially you create an avatar, you go to the conference and there's a virtual world. It's like Second Life, if anybody knows Second Life, where you walk in and there are different doors you can go through and you can go to watch different CLEs. You can go into the expo hall. You can go to networking events. And when you walk up to other avatars, the closer you get, the louder their voices get. And you can talk to them depending on how the platform works. And you can um, have video conferences with, if you go to a booth, you can have a video conference with the, pe the person at the booth. There's an avatar at the booth. And I just think that it at least adds this element of feeling like you're in a place, going to places, and actually interacting with people. You know, you can sit at a table at lunch and talk to all the people at your table, you know, and yeah. eat your lunch. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, I think someone should have the guts to actually do this. I think it would have to be in legal tech because lawyers in general are, would have a tough time with this. And the only ones that might think it would be cool would be the techies. So, yeah. At, at the that. next. At the next conference, look out for me. I'm a level 12 elven paladin, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah. You probably are. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. We, get, we, we get like Fortnite avatars, you know, we yeah. all do a dance. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right, Nikki. So I, I mean, I, I, obviously we had the iManage conference this week. They did a great job in terms of the content. I actually really enjoyed the content. Um, and the second day, I kind of got my head into the space where they had um, they had the content which pre-recorded, but they had live chat during during the sessions, um, which actually was terrible trying to multitask. To be honest, I realised I absolutely can't multitask. But then in the booths, as you say, it's an, the content is one thing, but then it's all the rest of it, which you know, it's just you go to the booths and I go, hey, and we talk. They talk about virtual swag bag. I must be honest with you, I I'm, I probably didn't spend enough time trying to do that but i'd be interested if anybody out, out there listening has spent a lot of time trying to interact with the booths and their experiences and but i think you're right it's just that how do you make it personal then it's all very static isn't it and one dimensional yeah. so you're right i mean i'd be interested to see whether the avatar idea did change that yeah i've, I've seen some good presentations, some good programs at these virtual conferences, but the, yeah. the whole networking part of it just doesn't work at all. And I've gone into a few of those supposed networking rooms where, you know, it's like, it's the Brady Bunch view on Zoom and we're all kind of staring at each other saying, well, now what do we do? And, uh, you know, I, I've read people that have reviewed these platforms that say, initially it felt a teeny bit weird, but in no time I was immersed in it. And it really did feel like I was navigating a conference hall, you know, or a, a conference. So yeah. I'm hopeful. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. Those platforms, um, I, like I don't know those specifically, but it sounds like they have the same features. Of I've been dealing a lot with spatial chat, which uh, for other things, which is valuable because a because you pick up your little your little face and move it to a corner, and you move out of a way, and then they can't hear you and other people. So breakout rooms create are created naturally, and that's that's the key to a networking is when that becomes natural and you don't have to sit and watch all 30 people talk at once. Yeah. We're getting, so there's been a couple of more questions about the whole freelancing thing. And I would, I would encourage if, if it looks like it's probably the same person asking to maybe just kind of reach out to some of the editors on here. And I'm sure they'd be happy to talk to you more about that. Or, uh, you know, anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm happy to tell them what I know about it. I used to, used to be a, a legitimate uh, editor at a real publication. So uh, I have some experience in that. Um, and, uh, uh, let's see what else, any other questions jump out to anybody here that they want to, uh, 
what, what's your perfect story was a question. What story would most excite you to write about? I, I, would, I would be afraid to ask that one. <laughs> um, today, today I posted a picture of a defense attorney at a hearing on Zoom and it is clear he is not wearing a shirt, and it is not entirely clear if there's anything at all on at all. Um, so yeah, that was that. That's my perfect tech story. There you go. Coming from the above the law angle, that does sound <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <clears throat> if he appeared as an avatar, it would have gone a lot better. See again. There you go. I, th I thought of you, Jay, the other day. In fact, yesterday, someone was chatting to me. She was on a she was on a call. A big she was chairing a big. Cool. She's at a big financial institution, and someone flushed the loo during the day just to she. <laughs> I was like, ah, <laughs> takes me back to our first session. <laughs> I think the loo is so much better of a word than toilet, right? The loo. We all need to start saying that. Yeah. <laughs> it's all. So, and had we, if we had talked about stories this week, we were going to talk about this uh, story uh, titled "Wrongfully Accused by an Algorithm" that was in the New York Times this week. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, relevant to what we're talking about here, in some way, is is that the author of that story is Kashmir Hill, uh, who's a really fantastic writer about tech and, and privacy and whatever and, issues. And an above the law editor. That's what I was going to say. Where, go. where did Kashmir <laughs> get started? Uh, I think, she, I think she was a, a paralegal or something originally, but she then got into journalism and was at Above the Law. So it's, it's a stepping stone to greater things. Not, not, that, not that you need any stepping stones, Joe. But for, for anybody but me, yeah. No, everybody else seems <laughs> to be stepping everywhere. Well, there really was just, yeah. I mean, I, we can't go in depth, I guess, but there was a lot of movement in a couple different jurisdictions. There are um, uh, one city, I think it was Boston, banned facial recognition. It was Boston, and yeah. Yeah, and then, and a lot of it is because of the inherent, and then the case that um, Molly had suggested, and I saw her commenting here, she couldn't agree with us today, but the case she suggested we talk about was the one where someone had been convicted because the algorithm. Yeah, Molly's was in the faulty. audience. Why do we don't have her in the, the panel? Audience. I don't know. It kind yeah, of... I'm not sure. <laughs> but but that's because there's inherent bias in those, and I've talked about that in the past. But it's law, it's becoming more and more apparent with the way law enforcement's misusing and abusing it throughout all of these Black Lives Matter protests as well. So, in some ways, I think that that's adding, giving it a little bit of momentum to have us re-examine that technology because it truly is problematic in so many ways when law enforcement I mean, were, uses it. Yeah, I mean, there were some cities even before like all the all the protests, like whatnot, that were that were restricting it or banning it or or putting moratoriums on it or whatnot, but it just kind of seemed like until until all the until the spate of protests that like it was nothing was probably going to stop it from becoming more widespread because you know it's such a it's such a it's such a important you know it's such an important technology that a lot of people you know rely on and and it's such a huge money maker for comfort for for like companies like like Amazon and so it is interesting how like now you know like yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it would have taken something like huge to kind of stop the momentum that it was seemingly building because it seemed like it was only a matter of time before, you know, you walk out and and it's like, you know, what, what, what was that TV show that like? Uh, I mean, there are a bunch of TV shows, but like Black Mirror. Yeah, or or, 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 or just like you know, any you know, anyone could just like scan in on you from like no matter no matter what angle you were at or, or what was in the way or they could re they could recompose your, your your face you know regardless of what was you know what was obstructing or whatnot. It's just it's just you know obviously that's that's that, that, that's a pretty scary scenario, but who knows? Why I mean, who knows where it's going? So it, it, it is interesting how like yeah, like it seems like the brakes have just kind of been pushed on on that, and now you have a lot of you know like Amazon and companies like that kind of reevaluating where they. You know, like, like what the, you know, their business model, what they, you know, uh, like, yeah, like what, what they use it for and who they sell it to. And I, I wrote a piece about um, this group, um, I posted it to you guys ahead about, so the likes of Google, Microsoft, a bunch of, that there were 1,700 um, AI experts, professors from Harvard, MIT, a bunch of them. Um, and they came out in the strongest possible terms against a paper being published um, by a company that I'm not familiar with called Springer Publishing, um, called a deep neural network. I'll post a link to this um, in the chat, but a deep neural network model to predict criminality using image processing, basically using facial recognition to predict criminal behavior. And they said, in the strongest terms, they said machine learning programs are not neutral. Research agendas and the data sets they work with often inherit dominant cultural beliefs about the world. I won't repeat the whole thing, but they came out in the strongest sense and said, the uncritical acceptance of default assumptions leads to discriminatory design in algorithmic systems. Um, it's really worth reading. They've said, um, they've, they've, 
but they've said that it keeps it's almost like if, if the worrying thing is that if, if enough people keep publishing these papers then it develops a kudos that, that or, or an acceptance that it doesn't deserve and there's a there's a worry that that will happen right so so i think that it's really interesting that this week i mean for obvious reasons but there's been a whole you know there's been a, a weight of different pe- people coming from different angles to, to sort of just but either give warning signs or discredit what's being written. Right. The, I mean, this, the, the, uh, the cash flow story is, is, is amazing. It, it, I mean, not just for the, the technology aspect of it, but I mean, just yet another one where the, the police handling of the case was just like totally racist. I mean, it was just, I mean, li- you know, like literally it was like a all black people look alike kind of scenario. I mean, the guy, apparently the guy in the, 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 the picture, did not look anything like the guy they arrested, other than he was a heavy set black man. I mean, that's really what it came down to. Um, so it's it's a, definitely worth reading. But uh, um, all right, well, uh, any any other words of wisdom or, or uh, topics that anybody wanted to make sure we uh, hit on before we wrap up for the week? Now we'll be covering next week. We? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we do this next week, uh, we, oh yeah, next we, week is we holiday. Probably should do oh, like yeah. Thursday or something. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Maybe I can. I'll, I'll. I can. I can email you all and figure it out. But uh, Friday is probably not a good day next week. Mm. Uh, and maybe we don't do it at all. We'll see. I'll. I'll email everybody and we'll figure out whether it makes sense to do it again. But all right. Yeah, happy holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. We're we're going to be celebrating our independence from. Yeah, from we took you down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll okay. Be no hard feelings. Our independence from quarantine. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, we're yeah. celebrating. This, this this is more important on the fourth of July in the UK, or the pubs open. So, <laughs> that's, uh-huh. what, so <laughs> that's what we're celebrating. <laughs> COVID stew, but okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> open here for many many reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hope everybody has a good weekend. And uh, thanks to all of you for participating. Thanks to everybody who uh, listened today and see you maybe next week.